Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition after a 33-28 win for the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens in the home opener. We've got a lot of questions to try to get to. We're going to try to get through as many as we possibly can today. And here to help me get through those are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. Hello, my friend. How you doing today, Kit? I'm good, man. I'm excited to get going with all these questions. I was really disappointed that we didn't get to see you uh, this weekend. I got to see Craig, but I didn't get to see you this weekend. Yeah, the goal was to get back there, but we had some other plans going on. So I'm trying to bank up all my uh, alone vacation time from the family for the Senior Bowl this year. Woo! Senior Bowl is going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm already geeking out. We've already we're already a little bit into prospects already. Believe and it or not. Do you think our third member here, Craig Stout, find him on Twitter at BarleyHop, is excited for the Senior Bowl, or do you think he's still recovering from his time at Arrowhead? Well, I'm definitely not still recovering. Maybe maybe vocally, I'm still recovering a little bit, guys. I, I'm a terrible yeller at sports games. I I get way into it. <laughs> I blow my voice out. So y'all are gonna have to just deal with me. A little bit lower in octave this week, but it was a great time. Uh, I, I dig the new seats at Arrowhead. There's more room to stand, more room to move around in the aisles a little bit. So uh, good job, Arrowhead crew. I have one burning question for you. Did you yes. uphold my standard of Lamar Jackson slander during the game? Oh, I, I slandered him plenty throughout the course of the game as I do with every opposition quarterback but yes I, I definitely upheld your standard of Lamar slander good because last year I had quite a few Ravens fans not too happy with us in our seat that were sitting around us it's kind of funny I I've met up with Craig for the last two Ravens games we missed Maddie this week but we you guys were in town for the last Ravens game we were we were. It was a good time. Yeah. It was a good time. All right. We've got a lot of questions to get through. I have plenty. So we're going to try to get through as many as we can. I, I, I appreciate all the questions. You guys have sent us a lot. We're going to start with the Gmail account. Go to APNerdSquad at Gmail account. Or at Gmail if you don't have Twitter. If you don't, uh, leave a five-star review. Uh, here's the question from Matthew Muckenthaler. That's a great name. Been watching the franchise, and I'm noticing a trend where the sausage is usually leading the team coming down the tunnel, down the stairs, next to Mahomes, next to Reed. Think anything of it? Does he have a large leadership role on this team most of us don't know about? Yeah, he does. He has a little bit more than you would think, and he's kind of a glue guy. He's well-liked by that that locker room, uh, and I think he, he actually does kind of have uh, some pull and, and some leadership to him that you may not uh, have expected 
And I I think some of the stuff, even like the, even the stuff like you know rolling in in a in a in a car, uh, rolling up in a leotard, those kind of things. Like I think those those are almost conversation pieces in the locker room. Uh, another question here from the Gmail account: Bill Belichick seems to covet and keep defensive backs around longer than defensive linemen. Should we be paying more attention to this? This is from Maddie in Cincinnati. Maddie, what do you think? First, I want to say these first two questions, the people that have asked them are excellent people. They have fantastic names. They should be very proud of their names. And uh, as far as the actual question, I think that's something that you should pay attention to. Early in this kind of Patriots dynasty, I think it was a little bit of the reverse. And they had some stud defensive linemen like Vince Wilford, Richard Seymour, stuff like that. But it seems like as they've gone on, they've shifted from valuing these pass rushers, these big guys up front, to valuing cornerbacks probably the most, followed by safeties. You almost see every big New England move coming in now is a cornerback. You can go from Aqib Tlaib, Daryl Revis, now they have Stephon Gilmore. Like They bring in top-tier corners all the time when they need one. They're more than willing to let those pass rushers go, like Chandler Jones, Flowers. So they're moving on from pass rushers, they're keeping cornerbacks, and there's a reason their defense stays good year after year. And yeah, part of it's Bill Belichick, but the way he's building the team is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, that's 100% the case. They don't like to invest very hard in defensive line. It's kind of the counter to what uh, Brett Veach has done in his time here and what John Dorsey before him had done in his time here. He likes, Bill Belichick likes to go get those corners, likes to go get those safeties, and then likes to pay them to, to stick around. If a guy gets out from Bill Belichick from the secondary, guys, you should be wary. Because he wants to pay those guys. So you, you just got to kind of keep an eye on that. He likes to draft a lot of them. Likes to keep reloading at that position. So yeah, I I wish that there was a little bit more Belichick and Veach from that regard. Maybe maybe the corners would be a little better if that were the case. Yeah, and they've, they've gone bargain hunting along their defensive line. They've traded day three assets for guys, you know, before in the past too. And they've found success, you know, just piecing that thing together. All right, we got some questions from the five-star reviews. Uh, first, I wanted to make sure to shout out Mama Loca's Cafe, uh, who they didn't have a question, but guys, they play the show at their bar one day a week, and I think that's incredible. Uh, I just, so shout out to Mama Loca's Cafe. Uh, that's really freaking cool. Uh, here's a question from Mouse 187 Pat will hopefully, on, hopefully only have to play 15 games this season, but do you still think that he could reach 6,000 yards? Uh, I think he's close. Uh, it's it's a pretty – if he's only playing 15, it's going to be a pretty tight, pretty tight uh, number to hit. But, man, this dude looks good for only putting the foot on the gas for like one quarter a game. To start the year, I would have said there's absolutely no way because I thought that the offense would be a little bit more balanced in the defense and not have to put up as many points. And they don't. They don't have to put up as many points as they did last year. But it doesn't matter. The offense is just willing to throw the ball all first half and then kind of coast the second half. And 15 games is going to be tight, but there is he might get as close as you possibly could in 15 games this year if they keep letting him throw this much. Guys, I- I'm going to say this right now. We played three games. Oh, no. So... So so 15 games, he would throw for 5,975 yards if this projects out to be that. He would come up 25 oh. yards 
shy of 6,000 yards for playing 15 games. He'd also throw 15 tu- or 50 touchdowns in those 15 games as well. Just, just FYI. Would Andy play him in the last game just to get 6,000 then set him? Oh, absolutely. 100%. One hundred percent. There's no way that doesn't happen. If <laughs> that is one hundred percent happening, if, four, if they're on game four, 16. verts the first play of the game and just try and hit it and quit it and then uh, pull him off the field. Byron Pringle catches the six thousand yard reception. One hundred percent. Well, DeAnthony Thomas is on the field too because they're you know they're sitting Tyreek and they're now, sitting. That Sammy. seems very much like a Demarcus Robinson catch. No, Marcus Robinson is like the milestone Robinson catch Robinson guy catch. for Patrick Mahomes. No, one hundred percent. Thousand yard receiver Demarcus Robinson is getting benched that game because they <laughs> want to make sure to protect him too. Because you know, Honey Thunder's just been balling out in the contract year. Okay, Twitter question time. We've got a lot. We're gonna try to get through them. Uh, please forgive us if we're not able to get to all of them. Uh, we had a question. Can you guys explain why Frank Clark is much better than Ford? Uh, it, so just, just in simple terms so that the uh, Twitter, qu- Twitter crowd can finally get it. Throughout a whole game, Frank Clark gets more attention than D Ford ever has in his career. Yes, D Ford on a passing down, a team pays a ton of attention to him. Teams still pay as much attention to Frank Clark on passing downs the big difference is on rushing downs, teams not only don't run at Frank Clark, they actively avoid him as much as they possibly can. That's something you never saw with D Ford. I don't even think you saw that as much with Justin Houston, who was a very good run defender. He was great at it, but teams didn't avoid him like the Ravens were avoiding Frank Clark. Good pass rusher, very good pass rusher, good against the run. Simple. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great one. And especially in Spagnuolo's scheme, where guys have to line up further inside. They're going against big heavies a lot more often. They're not able to just kind of run up the arc like we've seen D4 do it. Guys, the Ravens spent 44% of this game actively avoiding Frank Clark. Almost half the plays, they went out of their way to either move the pocket away from Frank Clark, run away from Frank Clark, throw the ball as quick as humanly possible, chip Frank Clark 44% of the game. D Ford never saw that kind of attention. Uh, That question, by the way, was from Andrew Richards 6. Good question. I hope that maybe pumps the brakes on some of the slander happening on Frank Clark. Uh, Kay Gumminger. Our guy asks, will the thrill of watching Patrick Mahomes in a dome make you reconsider the sliding roof and arrowhead? I have never been against the sliding roof and arrowhead. You realize if we get a sliding arrow, uh, roof and air, on arrowhead, there's a chance the Chiefs host a Super Bowl. And now there's a chance the Chiefs host the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl in their own home stadium because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. Bringing it all back to back full circle. I'm not sure who was against it initially, but yeah, it's always kind of been the thing. If once Arrowhead gets a dome, there's a chance to get a Super Bowl. They don't have one until they do that. The airport's getting redone now to allow something like the Super Bowl and the draft to come in. You put a sliding roof on there. I don't know why anybody would be against it, seeming that can lead to a Super Bowl being in Kansas City. And Matt, you also forgot the World Cup, which is very important to Kansas City economy in 2026. Um Guys, I don't want a dome. I don't want Patrick Mahomes to play in a dome because I want 
to be able to get to the end of Patrick Mahomes' career and say, look at these numbers, compare them to the greats, all these players, you know, Peyton Manning, everything like that. Peyton Manning played in a dome almost his entire career. Same with Drew Brees. Patrick Mahomes is doing this outside in the elements. He He's just a stud. I, I want him to rack up as much as possible in adverse conditions. It makes the myth, myth grow even more. Here's, here's a hot take. I think he's going to shatter all these records anyway, so no one's going to care whether it was in a dome or not. Like No one's going to be apologizing for Peyton Manning, especially after Patrick LeVon Mahomes wins more Super Bowls than Peyton Manning. Whoops. And no one cares uh, that I can't Peyton wait. played in a dome because he set records playing outside in one season. So Pat's already been there, done that. We're good. Yeah, there you go. All right, Corey Peter asks, which team on the schedule not known for cheating concerns you the most from here on out? It's the Packers. It's the Packers for me. Uh, that defense is a lot better than I think anybody expected. Their pass rushers are good. Their corners are good. Their safeties have been playing pretty well as well. And then on offense, you got Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they haven't looked necessarily as sharp as they could, but with Aaron Rodgers, there is always that chance for them to click and put out some big points. So that combination of those two scares me just a, just a little bit, but I'm not that scared of them. Kent, are you ready for this answer? I know where you're going. The Kirk Cousins led. No, I'm kidding. It's definitely not the Vikings. It's 100% the Detroit Lions because that's who we play next. One game at a time, boys. Gross. Oh, what an what an answer! I love it. That's an Andy answer. It was it was it was like a hint of Todd Haley answer too. It was just a little too. mm. Well, oh crap. Gross. Actually, I was going to say the Vikings, I think, because their run game is really, really, really good, and their defense is really good, so they're going to ball control you to death. Uh, I'm, I'm worried about that game, actually. Mr. C. David asks, which AFC team is most likely to stand in the way of an AFC championship rematch this year? Well, I'm going to leave the Matty answer on the table. I, I'm pretty sure I know what he's going to say, so I'm going to leave that one on the table for him. But... I think we just played them. I think it's the Ravens. I I do think that they'll click on defense. I think that they're going to win that division, especially with Pittsburgh being nothing and the Browns looking awful. So I I do think that the Ravens are probably the biggest obstacle between the Chiefs and the Patriots in a rematch of the championship game. Yeah, I think it's a tie between the Chiefs and the Patriots because they're just heads and tails above the rest of the AFC. So unless one of them choke, they're going to play each other again in the AFC championship game. Gross. I thought you were going to say the Chargers because... No, they're terrible. They play have you, twice. No, have you watched them? They're awful. I couldn't, I couldn't even add into that one. They're, they're not good. <laughs> Guys, I have, a, I have a confession to make. Uh, I... Like Therese Paler, have a guilty pleasure. Oh, baby. And it's but, the Josh Allen-led yeah. Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I uh, I may or may not follow them a little bit. Just, you know, under the table. It's okay. Uh, I they, they look all right. They look all right. Uh, the Clan McLean asks, and I think this is Keith McLean. Hold on, we gotta back up a second. The Bills look okay beating teams like the Jets with a third-string quarterback and the Cincinnati Bengals. Maddie, you're such a hater. Keith McClain asks, (laughs) Patrick LaVon Mahomes, is it just me, or does he look incredibly better than he did last year? Keith, you're correct. 
I don't like. I here's I we we watched him in training camp, and you could see this new added level of confidence. You could see this command, this control of what he was seeing, and, and what he was what was getting called called for him. It's just it's a thing of beauty, and it's translating onto the field. It's absurd. The guy is. It's like a more efficient version of what we saw last year. And I think what what I mean by that is he hasn't had to create as much on his own, which I think is indicative of seeing things correctly, getting the protection right, getting the ball out of his hand with confidence. I think those are all indicators that you are seeing a growing, advancing, developing, reigning MVP. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's crazy, but it's true. Maddie. I'm sorry. I was on the wrong question entirely, boys. So that is 100% on me. Yeah, no, Mahomes has looked better this year. He's looks more, not even composed, but things are coming easier to him. I like the fire you've seen. He's seen a little bit more upset when things aren't going perfectly, which just shows you that he's kind of gotten that level of comfort where he expects great things to happen every single play. I like the fact that he's getting mad when things aren't perfect. And then everything's just coming so easy. You see these throws where he's fading back off his back foot and he's still hitting guys wide open. And part of that's a testament to Andy Reid and what he's setting up for him. But Pat just seems so much more comfortable reading the defense, playing even under pressure. He's He's been there. He's done that. And it really shows this year. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is more upset about 28.1% of his throws not being completed than than I've ever seen a quarterback be. He's been outstanding. They've they've just needed like a good quarter out of him, and that good quarter <laughs> is more than most quarterbacks do in a game. So it's it's ludicrous what he's doing right now. He is better. They're just continuing the Golden State Warriors comparisons because they just go out and they have a quarter that just obliterates the souls of an opponent. Um, and the, one other thing about this, I'm just going to gush for a second. That touchdown to Demarcus Robinson, that's more than just rare talent. Like that's not just being a special unique talent w- on the football field. That's seeing the pressure, anticipating, you know, the route, trust. Like that's just that's that's high level football. That's high IQ football and these are the little things that you're seeing that's just like it, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, Lamar Jackson did that twice to Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts. Okay. So, okay, Craig, what was what what did what did Lamar Jackson's day look like three quarters into the game? By the way, would you, would you like to know three quarters like into the game? Know. Yeah, yeah, um, I would. There there was 124 yards passing huh. three quarters into the game. Huh. That's it, guys. It's almost that, like it, hmm. yeah. He had a, he had some good scrambles. He had some good runs. I, I'm not going to say that he wasn't running the ball well because the entire team was running the ball well against the Chiefs' run defense. But 124 yards passing—that was it through three quarters. Yeah. It's almost whatever. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to get too petty. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he's he's way better. I don't want to dunk on him too much, but like it's just it's different. It's different watching our guy and their guy. Ryza Mahomes asks, can we assume things for the defense? Uh, for example, the secondary, namely, uh, or can we, can we assume things for the defense? For example, the secondary, namely the cornerbacks will be a target by the trade deadline this year. Sorry for the confusion there. My bad. 100%. I think that Morris Claiborne is going to factor in when he comes back, but I think that there is a 99.9% chance that another cornerback is brought in 
Hopefully it's somebody good enough to crack the starting lineup for sure. Hopefully it's a cornerback one, but you're going to start running out of available guys. Now the trade deadline's still a ways away, but there's not going to be a ton of top tier cornerbacks that get to get out there. It's just the way it is in the NFL every year. You get one, maybe two chances. If you don't make it work, you got to kind of settle. But there's going to be a new cornerback. They're, they don't seem happy with their cornerback play. I know the run defense was also a problem this week, but overall the Chiefs' defensive coaches seem a little bit happier about what their linebackers are doing than what their cornerbacks are doing. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I, I'll even go one better, 100% chance. I'm not even Ooh. leaving that point 1%. There's a 100% chance they add a guy. Every single corner – that's come uh, come available right now. Now, granted, that's just Minka Fitzpatrick and Jalen Ramsey, but big corners on the market the Chiefs have been tied to. They tried to go get Minka Fitzpatrick. They reportedly were in on Jalen Ramsey, just like everybody else was still. But they, they're interested in adding another guy, particularly a, guy, a young guy with talent. If somebody like that comes available, they are going to try and pony up for him. I think the it's kind of an anomaly that two guys like this, like Mika Fitzpatrick and Jalen Ramsey, are actually available. I mean, this is not very common to see this early in the season. Let's let the dust clear. Let's find out which teams are actually bad, and then then let's see what kind of cornerbacks they have. One guy I'm keeping an eye on, uh, keeping an eye on is James Bradbury from Carolina. The Panthers are uh, one and two now, I believe. But uh, things are not trending well for them to this point. Let's let's keep an eye on him because he's a guy I would extend right I mean, away. They just improved uh, he's their a quarterback guy. play, so things could be trending in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the cam slander. I don't. I'm not here for the cam slander. Uh, Ryza Mahomes asked this question. I think David Beta asks a similar question too, Maddie. When will the Mecole slander from Matthew stop? He has to admit that bobble pass that was tipped. And he turned into a first down was pretty cool. Making something out of nothing. Maddie. All right. So this question has been asked by a lot more people than just those two. So we're going to go and put this out there. <laughs> the whole thing right now. McCole Hardman, the evaluation of him has been essentially spot on. I know people are not going to be happy with that because we were not, especially me, as high on him as a lot of other people. But so far, McCole Hardman has run fast and he's run fast. That's what he's done. And that's what we said coming out. My issue was with the fact that I didn't think he did a whole lot else worthy of being a second round pick besides be super fast. Now, clearly my valuation, like how important that was specifically for the Chiefs, may have been undersold a little bit. I'm not certain that you couldn't get a guy that runs slight bit slower that would be almost as good as McCole Hardman has been in this offense. But as good as he's been, you can't take that risk. If you can draw up a play that gets a guy that is fast as him wide open because he's getting free releases off the line of scrimmage and being asked to run in a completely straight line down the field, you can make that work play after play after play. You can go find, you can look at McCall Hardman's snaps. When he's getting targets, it's coming off free releases, usually from the slot where he's running a vertical route, most often a nine route. It's occasionally a skinny post, but that's really about all he's doing when he's getting targets or he's coming behind the line of scrimmage. Like we said he could do that and that's what he was going to do. I think that Andy Reid has surpassed my expectations for how often he was going to be able to make him help him get wide open using that speed. I think that's, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, he, he's definitely exceeded my expectations early on about what Andy would be able to get out of him. And I think and we all kind of said, like, we know Andy knows how to use the speed trait. 
But it's just always going and looking at an evaluation. It's scary to say this narrow skill set, this narrow group of, of, of abilities is something to bank on when you're, when you're putting big talent on it. But to the Chiefs credit, to McColl's credit too, frankly, he's, he's exceeded my expectations early on. And I know he's exceeded, exceeded all of our expectations too. If we're, if, if, if the Chiefs offense is the Golden State Warriors, he's your, he's your three point specialist off the bench. He is not Clay Thompson. He's your, he's off the bench, Matthew. Listen, no, he's like, uh, I man, I wish I would have been more well versed on the on the Warriors bench. I've been actually playing with a, a comp article about the Golden State Warriors and the Chiefs, but I haven't got to McColl yet. But I credit all the credit in the world to to McColl and all the credit to Andy Reid. He is kind of being used how he's just to the Reid point. Like you can look at Marquise Hollywood Brown for the Ravens, how he's being used compared to McCall Hardman. They're putting him on the line of scrimmage on the outside. He has comparable speed to Hardman, and he's been very good this year as well. But he's not being put in situations where he gets to run completely free down the middle of the field over and over again until he makes that one bust. That's one hundred percent Andy Reid and McCall Hardman does get credit for tracking the football understanding spacing and how to run downfield very fast and avoid help coverage. Like he gets credit for that too, but the usage he has been put in has been perfect for him. And I think that's where he's really separated. I did not anticipate a team would not be able to put somebody over the top of him as infrequently as they do. Yeah. And whenever Tyreek gets back, it's going to be scary, but I mean, look, look at, look at where his targets are. It's behind the line of scrimmage. And it's way down the field, kind of where we guessed. But he's thriving in it. He's absolutely thriving, thriving in it. And I can't wait to see what it looks like ten weeks from now. It's going to be fun. Uh, Jason Michael asks if Demarcus Robinson continues to play like this, do you see them extending him? Ah, it's such a tough question because it's going to be really hard to understand what Demarcus Robinson will get on the market. He's going to have a productive season. He's pacing for a very nice year in a contract year. He's pushing 1,000 yards receiving. He's made some exceptional athletic catches, uh, and, and he's really been a solid piece. But I uh, I don't know. I don't know how. I, I think the Chiefs are ultimately going to get priced out. I ultimately think that the Chiefs are going to get priced out of this. Here's the tricky part with the Chiefs wide receiver situation is that if they keep Sammy Watkins, there's no chance they keep Demarcus Robinson. If they're going to cut, trade, let Sammy Watkins go, I think they're very much going to try to keep Demarcus Robinson. The, The really tricky part comes in, though, nobody else plays Sammy Watkins' position right now. We haven't seen any other wide receiver take his X receiver role, the guy on the line of scrimmage, constantly beating press, running over the middle of the field, being a more possession receiver. You think Robinson has the size for it, but he still hasn't done that. Every time he's come into the game, even going back to last year, he's definitely taken more of the downfield threats kind of role so or a slot role. So it's just going to be interesting to see if they have someone to replace Sammy. And if that's the case, then I could see a chance for them to keep DeMarcus and let Sammy Watkins go. Care to jump in on this uh, wide receiver talk, Greg? Oh boy, oh, that was a lot of offense. I think I blacked out there, you guys. <laughs> yeah, we Seriously. just like went away from Craig for like a good oh six gosh. minutes. I mean, I, like the fans uh, are riding. Are by about, the way, right you know, now, pe- Craig hasn't people, been talking. People throwing the ball, uh, uh, like catching it. Demarcus Robinson is going to get paid like twelve million dollars next year. Dead what? serious. The way that he's playing what? right now. Look at him. Look at what he's doing on the field. The kind of catches that he's coming up with. Contested catches. Catching in the corner of the end zone there. He 
looks great. And I think that there is a chance for him to continue to look great even after Tyreek Hill comes back. They can still find room for him there. I think somebody will gamble on him and pay him double-digit million dollars a year. And yeah, the Chiefs just can't do that unless they're moving on from Sammy Watkins like Sam or like the Madison. Marvin Jones Jones. Honestly, I can see it. He could definitely pace for Marvin Jones with the Bengals type output and then get that fat contract by another team based on one or two years. Marvin is, Jones, by the way, totally has worked out for Detroit so far. Is DeMarcus good for them? Is DeMarcus Robinson going to be Patrick Mahomes' first Austin Collie? Ooh. Like, like a guy that. that just gets paid because uh-huh. I just I don't know how rec- I don't I just don't know how replicable it is. Like I feel like Mahomes and D Rob's connection is just it's That's so some hard strong to recreate. Robinson slander and Albert Wilson has already done that. <laughs> oh, that's true. And Albert Wilson one game. Al- Albert Wilson, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's true. D Johnston also menace red uh, 12 asked this question is Emmanuel Ogba a good candidate for an extension during the season guy has had a phenomenal start I, I think there's a chance just because the guys behind Frank Clark and Alex Okafor aren't necessarily set in stone Tano Passino certainly seems to be coming along Breland Speaks is on IR who knows what they're going to do with those two guys if Ogba continues on this arc and uh, his usage is different than Frank Clark. It's different than Alex Okafor. He doesn't require the same focus. He lines up in multiple different spots. He's definitely taking advantage of every opportunity he gets. If he's unblocked, if he's the guy that's operating as the looping man on the stunt, he's definitely getting home and making the most of those opportunities I, I do think that they could put something on the table that's a little lower as the year goes along if he continues along this same arc. 100%. He's definitely a guy that's an option for it. I think he's he's been every bit of kind of what we thought he was going to be when they first traded for him in situational usage. He's been very good with Breland Speaks uncertainty. I don't know if Tano Passano's long for this team beyond this year, so that kind of leaves the door open for a backup DN. The question just becomes, does Ogba think he's going to be worth a starting contract? Because I don't mm-hmm. think the Chiefs can offer him that. Guys, I, I, I tend to think the Chiefs won't be able to extend him. There's just a lot of influx all along their entire roster. However... The compensatory formula oh, is looking very nice right now. Agba and D-Rob, all these guys. It's just looking real, real okay. nice. You know what's hilarious? We talked about the compensatory formula several weeks ago. You know who's on that? Kendall Fuller, Darren Lee. Uh, who else were we talking about? They've, Andrew Xavier Wiley. Williams. But the whole, Xavier Williams. The whole point is, though, they've given themselves a large pool, and some of those they guys have. are taking full advantage. They have a huge pool. They're going to get a ton of draft pick, compensatory picks in 2021 without even trying. We are going to take a break, and we will be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, taking more of your questions from Twitter. We'll start with this one. Brandon422 asks, what is this year's wrinkle that Andy has added? Is it the leak concepts? I, I don't think it's necessarily the leak concepts. Like I, we've, I think we've seen one real, but it was just a really great dial-up. It, it was a great time to use it. Um, I think one of the things that I've noticed is, one, I think they've been a little bit more pass-heavy even than they were last year. So, I mean, that's not even really a scheme wrinkle. That's just a philosophy wrinkle. But I do think that they've been more aggressive down the field even more than they were last year. They're really just letting it fly, and they're challenging teams down the field. Uh, they're challenging coverage rules downfield, frankly, uh, which we've noticed. You know, it, All these guys keep, keep running uncovered, and I don't think it's an accident. Let's just say that. You know, like that we've seen multiple coverage busts down the field in three different weeks. So the Chiefs, you know, are really uh, one of the things I wonder is just if Andy just really spent a lot of time trying to ch- challenge teams' vertical ca- pe- uh, coverage rules. I, if that's something that he's really emphasized and, and spent time on uh, this summer, I don't think there's been anything like super distinguishable. It's like brand new that we've had the last couple of years. But I'm with Kent. He seems to be challenging downfield a little bit more. I think you've seen a lot more intermediate and deep RPO looks, which is pretty uncommon for the NFL game. Usually RPOs are shorter drop, shorter route concepts, getting the ball out quick. I think they've gone downfield a little bit more off those. You're still seeing a ton of the over routes, which is like the deep crossers. I think you're getting even more of those than you got last year, which the Chiefs ran a ton of. They're doing a lot of it out of the Y-ISO looks with Kelsey on one side, trip wide receivers to the other and the last little thing when Mahomes goes under center it seems like they're bringing a lot of at the snap the end around motion and a lot of times they're going with double play action out of it sometimes well sometimes it's a play action end around then a run they went to the double play action with the pass and the double play action with the screen play and I think I've seen that in two different games so far when they go under center so that's kind of like the one play that jumps out to me it does feel like those those deep overs are more and more prevalent with Patrick Mahomes hitting those deep passes more often. That's kind of kind of what we we've, we've seen with Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman when they've gotten free on those deep passes. It's because the safety's having to come up and respect that deep over, and they're just kind of forcing forcing teams to make a decision. Either you're going to give up a 25-yard pass to Sammy Watkins over the middle of the field, or you're going to try and force Patrick Mahomes to hit on a 40, 50, 60-yarder. And thus far, I mean, if you watched his tape last year, you'd gamble on the deep one because he didn't really hit it too often. This year, he's hitting it significantly more often. And yeah, that's kind of what we're seeing. 
Yeah, more guys are running under footballs this year than they were last year, and mm-hmm. Mahomes has has really taken strides down the field. And, and, and it sounds weird to say that because it wasn't like he was, you know, he wasn't dinking bad. And, he wasn't yeah. dinking and dunking last year, and he wasn't wasn't that he wasn't challenging it. He just could have been better challenging it. And I think you're seeing more touch, you're seeing more accuracy, uh, and I think everything about this offense has just improved vertically, which is just. <laughs> It's crazy, <laughs> and we're only three weeks in. Just, just wait. Uh, things are things are trending really well. Tyree Kill's not even playing. So, Trendy Killer asks: Is Craig's breakout player of the year worth breaking up with? Hitchens was awful this week. I guess. Do the Chiefs need linebacker more than they need cornerback? I was gonna say. I, I thought Anthony Hitchens was pretty darn good the first two weeks of the season. Now. Nobody was particularly good against the run this week, so I don't know how you single out Anthony Hitchens in that. I'm not selling Hitchens yet. The Baltimore Ravens are a horrible, horrible matchup for the Chiefs' slower linebackers. They just don't get out well on stretch runs. Guys, through three quarters, when when the Chiefs were blowing them out before you know the Ravens started kind of hucking the ball all throughout the field, the Ravens ran at the C or D gap 82% of the time. Like they were running to the outside. They were running stretch plays to the outside, trying to force those linebackers to have to run horizontally to get to the sidelines. They're not going to beat Mark Ingram or Lamar Jackson to the sideline. We saw that. And that's kind of how they were able to do damage against the Chiefs defense. So I'm not worried about it yet I do want to see how he performs a little bit better in the upcoming weeks they got a couple like the Lions are going to hand the ball off a lot this week after watching what the Ravens did I want to see him step up have a better performance against a team that doesn't have to account for a running quarterback and maybe isn't going to stretch the edge as much and I'm not specifically selling or worried about Hitchens I agree with Craig he's looked better this year my concern comes with, and it's exactly what Craig said, teams are running to the outside. You saw Leonard Fournette. Now you're seeing Mark Ingram do it. If you're Those two running backs are the running backs beating you to the edge, your linebackers to the edge. Like That's maybe a problem that you have slow linebacker play because those two running backs are not the fastest, most dynamic running backs in the league. So my, my sell is more of with Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson being the most played linebackers. And not that I dislike either as players, it's just when you put both of them on the field together, you're asking your defensive ends to cover a lot of ground to the outside. You're asking your safeties to get downhill and really help them out because they're not going to keep up with those running backs outside. That's my bigger concern. Darren Lee hasn't gotten the kind of role that I thought he would so far at this defense. They definitely are only playing him on base downs, not in the nickel. Ben Neiman's been the dime linebacker, so they don't really have an athletic speed linebacker they really trust to play instead of Hitchens or Wilson. Just that is something I'm monitoring because it's been three weeks now where I thought the linebacker play hasn't been bad. It just hasn't been fast. Larry McCarriman asks, can the math work to keep Chris Jones on this roster? I think you could probably make the math work, I guess. It's just a matter of all the commitments that you're going to have to make short-term and long-term. Patrick Mahomes is only going to get more and more expensive. You still have to figure out how to fix the cornerback position. The Chiefs next year in 2020 
have Charvarius Ward and Rashad Fenton at cornerback. I guess you can include the practice squad guys, Alex Brown and uh, Torrey McTire, because they normally sign reserve future contracts. Still, that's just not enough. They've got to improve the talent there. Uh, they're going to have some other decisions to make uh, along the offensive line. Uh, they're, they're, they've got other things looming. It's just going to be hard to... Yeah, you can make it work. It's just you're going to be sacrificing in other areas. I think this is Chris Jones' last year in Kansas City. I think you can make it work, but it comes with the sacrifice of you're not getting better at cornerback next year or likely even the year after that. You're not getting a cornerback at the end of the first round that is going to have a big enough impact that you can really bank on to improve that position, and you won't have the money to spend in free agency to bring in somebody that really changes up that group especially when you consider the Chiefs have literally nobody worth fielding at cornerback on the roster already for next year. So if you bring Chris Jones back, you're going to have another season of leftover cornerbacks and then presumably a high-round draft pick at cornerback. That's just not enough to improve the position. So if you're comfortable with that, as Steve Spagnola is Brett Veach, then yeah, it's quite possible. But I don't think they're going to be comfortable with that at this point in time. Chris Jones is having another season where his hot moments are really hot and his cold moments are really cold. Uh, there's a number, we talked a lot about the run defense. I'm sure we got more questions coming up. There are a number of times where Frank Clark set a good hard edge and Chris Jones got completely blown out of the B gap and it was huge yardage for the Ravens. He looked at the end of the first drive throughout the course of the game, he looked like a guy that was very gassed the entire night or the entire day on Sunday. So I would be worried a little bit about giving him that amount of money. When you are getting hot Chris Jones, he is a top five defensive player in the NFL. When you're not getting Chris Jones, you know, hot Chris Jones, he's not worth $20 million. So I, I would just be very, very reticent to pay him that amount of money. I think the Chiefs chose Frank Clark over Chris Jones. I just do. Don Julio asks, how can the Chiefs fix the run defense, Craig? Uh, not play Lamar Jackson. That, that would help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, guys. It, it's really tough when a team runs a pistol zone read offense and you have a quarterback that's that comfortable keeping the ball even when he's taking hits. It's really, really difficult to play against the run that way. Now, they didn't tackle well. On Sunday, That was, I think, the most egregious part of this whole thing. I felt like Spagnolo actually made good adjustments. I felt like he tweaked the defense to help stop the run a little bit better, and he kind of got guys in better positions. He spun the safeties down because Lamar Jackson wasn't really testing him deep, and he wasn't very accurate on the day. So they did a good job of making the necessary tweaks. But even Frank Clark, who we've been talking about praising, and people accuse us of being too you know, too positive about him. Frank Clark missed a bad tackle on Mark Ingram that on a touchdown drive that would have ended up scoring for Ed. Tyron Matthew missed a tackle out in the open field. They just did not do a good job of wrapping up, making the hits, bringing guys down. That's got to clear up. If that clears up, I think there's a big, big, big difference in the down and distance that you see, and they don't run the ball nearly as much this past week. I think specific teams are always going to give the Chiefs run defense problems right now. This goes back to my whole issue with just the general linebacker speed. 
you get teams that run a lot of outside zone. You get a team like Baltimore whose quarterback can also run. They're running these read option looks where somebody's threatening the outside over and over again. It's going to be hard for these linebackers to keep up with everybody running outside. And all it takes is one player in a one gap scheme to lose their assignment. And there's going to be a hole there. Like everybody has to do something correct for it to work. So there's always going to be some holes there. Now, I don't think a team is going to come in and just manhandle them. Even the Ravens, they had some good runs right up the middle, but they were setting all that up off these outside run looks, these option looks. They weren't just running halfback dive right down the middle of the Chiefs defense over and over again. They're not going to get bullied like they were last year. It's going to be speed that gets to them in the run game, and I think there is going to be teams that will be able to take advantage of that. But when you're scoring 20 points a quarter, doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't uh, a couple things uh, Andy Reid I think mentioned today some of their run defense was this week specifically were just anticipating inside runs and getting hit outside or anticipating outside runs and getting hit inside so there was a little bit of you know maybe some tendencies broken or something along those lines also I think to Craig's point I think Craig mentioned it you know uh, I thought they were actually well positioned for good stretches of the game. It's just they struggled to finish the place. They struggled to complete tackles. So they're not far away. I think they just... I I think that they actually showed some spurts where they were able to get some stops. They were able to put defenses behind the sticks. It's just a matter of developing more consistency, and they're going to be just fine. I'm actually, I'm actually not scared to death, and I think it is a little bit different than what we saw last year, if I'm going to be honest. David Maida asked... The uh, the Ravens' strategy of going on fourth downs and attempting all the two-point conversions screamed of desperation to me. What did you think, and did you expect uh, we will spe- see other teams take this approach as they desperately try to keep pace with the Chiefs' prodigious offense? So I think there was some analytical stuff to that that, that said you should, you should be more aggressive. Uh, and I think John Harbaugh has kind of harped on that a couple times today, too. Uh, I do think it's, you know, it might be trying to maximize every possession you get and every opportunity you score. Uh, I think it might have been partially, and I, I think some of the fourth down attempts are, are directly associated with, I want to try to maximize as many possessions as I can. I want to try to steal as many uh, opportunities as I can. And the Chiefs get to the 50 anyway, so why am I not, why am I, you know, giving them the ball on the 15 so they can get to the 50 in two plays anyway? You know, so like I think there's a lot of factors in there. I could see teams being more aggressive, and that's when you know, frankly, that's when you you do need to run run D to take some steps here because I think they they could be facing some more opportunities like that in the very near future. And analytically, the Ravens did all the right stuff. If you're going to go all even going to the first quarter, just based on the distances, the time, the teams they're facing, like they were all correct in terms of the statistics and probability of how it plays out. I do think it shows not necessarily desperation, but a lack of confidence that your defense was going to be able to stop the Chiefs, which for good reason, though. Like, I don't think it's desperation when they should That's a top 10 defense. Yeah, when they should think that. It's a top 10 defense. It's not desperation. It's just it is what it is. Just like last year or any year when there's a super prolific offense or even defense that you're facing, you're going to have to throw in a ton of tendency breakers to even have a chance. 
offenses that play the Chiefs are going to do things they don't normally do because of the Chiefs' offense. You're going to get teams that are going to test the ball downfield. They're going to, you're going to get teams that are going to try to hold the ball longer. They're just going to play differently because of what the Chiefs' offense can do. And I think you're going to see a lot more teams go for it on fourth and short to medium, especially near midfield, when the Chiefs are likely to push the ball out, like Kent said, to midfield at the very minimum. And it wasn't just the fourth downs and the two-point conversions that were the tendency breakers. Like Maddie was talking about, you have teams that are going to come in and try and do different things. The Ravens used a lot more 22 personnel. The Ravens used a lot of balanced pistol looks, whereas they had previously been just kind of using unbalanced pistol looks and running out of those. Ravens varied when they were getting snaps off in the play clock. There was a lot of times that they snapped the ball with 20 seconds left on the play clock, and there's other times that they let it take all the way down to four, three, two seconds. It was, they were purposefully trying to keep the Chiefs defense on their heels and trying to move the ball and control the clock as much as possible and just kind of do things a little different, keep them off kilter. We saw a lot of the tendency breakers. I believe that the Ravens next week probably won't go for a fourth down, probably won't go for a two-point conversion. I do think it's directly related to the Chiefs offense being so good, but I do think that there were also a number of other things that were happening during that game as well to try and counter what the Chiefs had seen on tape. KC Chem Guy asks, why wasn't Daryl Williams given larger consideration in the running back rotation? The drafting of Darwin Thompson, the consideration of Hyde and now McCoy seem overkill. Daryl Williams has shown good hands, adequate speed, and has better size. What is the hesitation? So here's the thing. Daryl Williams had a very good game. I've been a Daryl Williams fan before most other people were Daryl Williams fans. He's a good back. I think he belongs in the NFL, and I think he deserves carries in the NFL. His running style is not perfect for the Chiefs, most of the Chiefs' offense. Similar to Carlos Hyde, he's a one-cut-and-go runner. He has solid vision. He's good at putting his foot in the ground, has good burst and power through the hole. That works when the Chiefs are trying to milk the clock out in the fourth quarter. When you're a little bit earlier in the game, and it's a lot of the RPO looks where you're having to stand still, pat your feet, and wait to see if you're getting the ball or not, and then accelerate at an angle, usually playing the patience game until something opens up. That's not his or Carlos Hyde's strong suit, and I think that's kind of why you would lean towards getting somebody like a LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams out there instead, because they're a little bit better system they're a little bit better in that kind of system in terms of the running backs and LaShawn McCoy has been great this year like we can't rule out how good he's been with his vision his patience setting up his blocks knowing when to take two or three yards and so on Darwin Thompson I hope to see more of coming soon I think that Daryl Williams was a better person to get in there to milk the clock out than Darwin Thompson would have been I think Darwin Thompson gives a different level of dynamic ability that the other running backs including Daryl Williams don't that's kind of where it comes from for me. I don't know if he's a perfect fit for the Chiefs, most of the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, and let's not forget that LaShawn McCoy was looking great in that game. I mean, we're all gushing about Darrell the Burrell Williams that, okay. you know, um. not, <laughs> he had 62 yards on nine carries. LaShawn McCoy had 54 yards on eight carries. Like, I mean, I get that that Williams caught the ball well out of the backfield, but the couple times that he was running down the sideline with defenders behind him, guys, if that's Damian Williams, he's gone. That's that's yeah. six. 
I, he's running away from those guys. And I do think that that means that in the passing game, Andy Reid's going to prefer a guy like Damian Williams, a guy like Darwin Thompson, even if he doesn't stay in bounds when they need the clock to keep running. But I, I do think he had a great day. I, I want him on this roster because of games like this. When they get banged up, you can lean on him a little more. you got to change the game plan a little bit. But he, he had a good day, but that's why he's not seeing time over these other guys. Uh, a couple things. How about that vision on that outside zone, on that cut, upfield by Daryl Williams? Mm-hmm. That was nice. That, was, that nice. was really nice. One thing I want to I say about Daryl Williams, I think he's got tremendous value to this team. He really does. And I'm not just saying that. He's not as dynamic as some of these other guys, but he still is able to step in when you need a guy that's pretty good in pass protection, that can get tough yards, that can you know run against a physical football team, that can catch it a little bit. He's basically a guy that you lean on if, I don't know, your number one running back gets hurt. <laughs> He's he's got a ton of value to this team. I really like him. He's he's definitely an NFL player. And I I think he fits a role where you can utilize him and do enough with him, but you're not you're not it's not a dynamic element to his game. But for what he is, great. Just yes. I, I absolutely good. great. And you should be happy about him. Uh and, and he, I I anticipate he'll be here through his undrafted free agent contract. Uh, for for days like this, like weeks like this, are why you have Daryl Williams, and I think you should be really grateful for what he provided uh, against the Ravens. Kip Daniel asks, I felt I saw more emotion from Patrick Mahomes on Sunday, especially some cons- controlled frustration. Do you feel that way? Yes, I know. Maddie alluded to it earlier. I thought it was great. I think it's just. I think there to Maddie's point, I think it's a level of ownership. I think it's a level of confidence in what he's seeing, what he's understanding, his preparation. I think it's carrying over. I think he's also really continuing to step into that leadership role. He's got such a high standard for himself, and he's got an immensely high standard for this football team, and I think this entire football team feeds off of that. And I think some of those moments where he's frustrated with his center for a bad snap, or he doesn't I, it looked like he might have been frustrated a little bit with some of the issues uh maybe with personnel with with the play call some of that kind of stuff communication getting the play call in and out this guy's trying to operate he's trying to operate at a high level i don't think it's an aaron Rodgers type thing where you know maybe he gets a little moody and stuff i think it's it's in a good way which it, where it's helping make this team better i don't think it's vitriolic or anything like that I think he's feeling comfortable enough to call people out when they are making mistakes now too. Like he would be willing last year to tell them he would be willing to talk to people about it and everything, but he was not getting as visibly upset. He was not demanding them to be better. And it seems like that's kind of where it's trending, which is 100% fine. That's what he should do as the leader and as the quarterback. You want to keep missing up blitz pickup or stunt pickup on the interior offensive line. You should get yelled at by your quarterback once he's gotten hit late by Matt Judon for the 13th time in the first quarter. Like that should happen. So I'm more than okay with it. I think he is showing it more. He has kind of all year. And then that also comes with he's letting his emotions fly even a little bit more on the good place too. He saw the big flex after they picked up the screen, that last third down conversion. He's out there. He's showing the emotion. He's being a leader. By all means, continue it. It's nothing to be worried about. This is is a family podcast, so I'm going to keep this PG, guys. 
But this is Patrick LeVon Mahomes' team, and he's not messing around. This is, he wants this entire thing. He wants the championship. He wants those rings. And that kind of intensity, that kind of competitive nature, we've heard about that from him all the time. You're just seeing it more, and it's contagious. I know that the cameras went back and they caught Patrick Mahomes after that screen pass. Guys, staying in that stadium, it wasn't just him that was flexing and going crazy. Travis Kelsey was going absolutely bonkers all the way to the sidelines. The entire sidelines erupting, flexing, just that was, it felt like they'd come back from 30 down. Like it was that kind of raw outpouring of emotion and it was because Mahomes was that level of fired up. It's just contagious and he's going to make sure that that intensity stays there for the entire season. Okay, guys, we have three more questions. we got to cut this a little bit short. I'm so sorry for not being able to answer all of your questions. If you stuck around this long, thank you so much. We've yes, got three blame questions Kent. here. Blame Kent. <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault. Uh, quick, Three quick questions. I'm going to have each of us answer, uh, answer it, or one of us answer each question. Craig, the Wazzy asks, do we start seeing more secondary blitzing when Mo Claiborne comes back in week five? Yes or no? I don't, uh, I don't know that there will be more. Spagnuolo has done plenty of it in the last two weeks. I think it will be potentially more successful because they'll be able to play a little more man on the outside and quarterbacks will have to hold the ball a little longer. Casey Dave, 85, Maddie, Were you surprised, given how well Baltimore was running, that Spags didn't give Reggie Raglan a shot to help stop the run? Raglan did actually play a couple snaps on the defense, so he was out there. But I'm not really surprised. I think putting Reggie Ragland out there, the best you're doing is taking Darren Lee off the field, assuming that it was a base down. And even then, you're adding another slow linebacker. When we, as we already talked about, they're getting beat more on the outside than up the middle. You needed, you would have to replace one of the other two linebackers, keeping Lee out there. Are you just, you would be decreasing your speed no matter who you took off the field for Reggie Ragland when the Ravens weren't banging the ball between the tackles. How Mountain? asks i'll answer this one regarding darwin he was remarkably absent with two running backs out slash questionable cause for concern no first off darwin thompson's a sixth round pick anything you get out of darwin thompson is going to be uh a a great value also i don't think this was a perfect game for him where you throw him into the fire this was a daryl williams game i think i said that before the game even started i expected daryl williams to get more run than darwin thompson he's still coming along he's still developing He's got ability, and I anticipate at some point you're going to see uh, a package of plays for him. Let him get in space. Let him get a little bit of burn. There's plenty of time this year. You're three weeks in, and if you've already seen, the Chiefs have to lean on three different running backs at this point. It's it's just the nature of the position. Darwin's time is coming. Don't stress. That is going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back with a preview of the Chiefs going to Detroit, playing the undefeated Lions. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you. We'll catch you later this week. <laughs>